Corrections Canada was very good in, from the outset, letting me know about pers uh, medical issues and going out into the Kitchener for, for medical reasons, same-day uh, outings. But then when she told, they told me by email that she was going to Montreal for, or Quebec for medical reasons, I let that sit for three or four months. Nobody got back to me. I got a little frustrated. I tried to contact victim services in Woodstock. <clears throat> Did not get much, uh, much out of uh, them in terms of information. And I, honestly, I got frustrated. So I directly phoned Grand Valley Institute in Kitchener and asked if Wetlocker was there. They were a little indignant, said, perhaps we will have correction services call you in the morning. They did and uh, they put me on to the Kingston Victim Services Office. It's a long story, but uh, up until this morning, I was totally stonewalled, completely stonewalled. They would not tell me where she was. Go figure. Yeah, that is the voice of uh, Daniel Silcox. His father, 84-year-old James Silcox, was a veteran. He's also one of eight victims killed by serial killer Elizabeth Wetlaufer, who was... Well, she was convicted of first degree, well, several counts of, of murder and uh, sentenced to life. And of course, he finds out today that she's been moved from this prison to a psychiatric facility in Montreal. You know, this is not a place with prison bars. There's no armed guards. And she just started her life sentence. Just. And now we are to believe that she's enjoying a steady diet of arts, theater, sports, Internet gardening you know so while her victims including daniel would have sat through this months and months long inquiry listening to all the details this killer was enjoying what now appears as marshmallow justice in this country certainly when it comes to women and i'm not sure why that's happening certainly uh, it dates back a couple of decades to the Mulroney years, in fact, of when they decided to start looking at rehabilitation instead of justice. Well, I think it's time to look back. But nonetheless, these victims are being told months after the fact, being completely blindsided by that. Let's bring in Abigail Binman. She's a Global News, of course, Ottawa correspondent who just happens to know a lot about the corrections system. She joins me now. Abigail, here we find ourselves again with a headline that I think makes a lot of Canadians scratch their head to say, like, what's with this marshmallow justice? What is going on here? Well, certainly the uh, families of uh, the Elizabeth Wetlawfer victims, one of the family members uh, spoke with us today and he was most frustrated mm -hmm. that he couldn't get information. He should have the right to know where Elizabeth Wetlawfer, the ex-nurse who killed uh, his father and seven other seniors in care facilities, where she is being located. And he, he told me that in the past he has received notifications uh, when she was in prison in Kitchener and she had... Uh, day medical appointments, he would be notified that she was leaving the prison to go into the community for some mm -hmm. sort of medical appointment. But then he's told about eight months ago that she was transferred to Quebec and they don't tell him exactly where. And he asked them and they still don't tell him. And he, about four months ago, he says he asked them again, still stonewalled. Uh, and then when the McClintic news came up last week, uh, then, then he renewed that effort. And also worth noting that this is remarkably the same community. So right. there was that, that uh, surveillance 
surveillance footage that surfaced during the time of, of uh, Tori Stafford's abduction, where she's walking across a parking mm-hmm. lot or down the sidewalk with Terry Lynn McClintock. And the uh, James Silcox's son, Daniel, says to me today, you look out my father's window at Crescent Care, and that's the view, that's the sidewalk where, you know, Terry Lynn walked Tori Stafford down the street. He said it really hits hard, and it's a like a double hit for Woodstock for that community. So a lot of emotion wrapped up uh, in this case, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, Mr. Silcox, James Silcox, um, you know, he was 84. And, and I think, you know, we're talking about when you talk about McClintock and you talk about Wetlawford, we're talking about the most vulnerable people in society, the, the most innocent people of society that were preyed upon. So people don't have any time when they hear that these people are being treated with kit gloves. But when we're talking about Wetlawford, um, I don't understand what it is that corrections would not realize the given the high profile of this case. I mean, they had to have known this would have raised eyebrows, this kind of transfer. Well, it, it makes me certainly I wonder about that question when he was not answered as to exactly where uh, she was when he should have been. I, I do wonder if that's uh, part of the reason. But we've reached out to corrections, of course, today. We've asked a number of questions. They still haven't gotten back to us uh, after a three o'clock deadline and after telling me that they would be sending something. I still haven't heard a word from corrections. But within an hour of me asking mm-hmm. the Correctional Service of Canada why Mr. Silcox hadn't been uh, updated with this information, they called him within the hour and gave him exactly the answer that he was looking for. So I don't know for a fact whether that's a coincidence or not because they haven't answered that question either, but that's how things played out this morning. Right, and that's how Corrections hides behind this. They hide behind privacy rules and and there is no transparency, which, okay, so there may be a very good reason why Wet Lawfer has been moved to this particular facility where, you know, she gets to garden and do artworks and macrame beads and all the rest of this, but, you know, on the outside looking in, you've got Rodney Stafford and now you've got Daniel, uh, two victims of violent crime who are just fighting for the very basics of justice and they shouldn't have to fight and that's what is so frustrating is that they're the ones doing all the hard work to make sure that the people who committed the crimes are doing the time. Right. And I, I think it's important to point out that uh, Daniel Silcox today, uh, you know, he, he didn't actually come down quite so hard on this idea of having Wetlawfer in uh, this hospital. He said, you know, he was really conflicted about it, that he does believe she needs to be punished, but he also understands that she needs counseling mm-hmm. uh, critically. He said, you know, I get that. He was more upset about the lack of transparency from a government that touts transparency. Those were those were his words, that they couldn't give him th- this basic detail that, as you say he has to he has to fight for that right and we just finished the inquiry so these people have all just right sat through a, a month-long um, inquiry into how the, this could have happened to their loved ones despite all the red flags that were waving very 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 vividly right um, and so they've just given right. their impact statements and in the same time this guy is trying to find out where his father's killer is and you're right it's unacceptable in a time when we should have more transparency so let me take you then to the to the reaction of the government in the last few days, which has been quite odd, why they're tripling, quadrupling down on their talking points, when what they should be saying is, you know what, we'll look into this and we will fix it. Because I think there's a, a, a conversation here to be had about the transparency of where these, you know, uh, convicts go. 
Well, I will say that they have been very strong in, in one of their talking points being that we will look into it because they have called this review. We don't know right. when this review will deliver any answers, but they are. The government is saying that they are uh, looking into this. Something that I found quite interesting listening to this debate dominated the House of Commons for most of the day yesterday. Yeah. Then it was uh, the conservative motion uh, failed today. The conservatives were calling for a reversal of the McClintock decision. And something that really stood out to me as I was listening to this debate yesterday, you know, we heard the the government argue time and time again that the minister doesn't have the authority uh, based on the legal advice they're getting, doesn't mm-hmm. have the authority to directly influence the decision. The conservatives say they do. But what stood out to me in yesterday's debate was a number of liberal MPs getting up and saying, nor should he have the authority. And two of them at least used the word micromanage, that the minister shouldn't be micromanaging uh, individual offender decisions. So it's, it's certainly an interesting debate, but that did stand out from the other talking points that they had presented over and over again. Right, but they do have the power. And the bottom line is this is now a political game being played, and I'm not sure why the Liberals think that they can win on, um, you know, kind of backing child killers and now, you know, uh, serial killers. They won't win in the court of public opinion, but the, nonetheless, they do have the power. They can make the calls, and instead of, you know, having these word games in question period, it would be a lot better for them to either make a phone call to a guy like Rodney Stafford, have a quiet conversation with him, and simply say, we are looking into this, we will fix this, and we will make sure that whoever caused this problem, former governments, future governments, that we get it dealt with. So they are, when they say that they don't have the legislative authority to do this, this is coming from uh, a memo mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the Department of uh, Justice lawyers, which says that they don't. So that's uh, that's what hangs in the balance there. Yeah, sure. And so where do you get the sense that this is going to go now? Because, you know, is it asking too much in our justice system that we have some kind of mechanism in place that when you get very high profile, very violent cases of, of criminal behavior, that there's not some mechanism like for a second sober thought, almost like a Senate for these kinds of things where someone says, yeah, I'm not sure that that's the right move. You know, uh, you know, let's talk to the, at least right. make sure that the victim's families are, are being contacted. Right, for sure. And I, and I do, I would say that I hope that that uh, gets covered in the review, especially the piece about victims being contacted uh, as they are supposed to do when they register, or as they are supposed to be contacted when they when they register. But mm-hmm. I, I will say that, you know, it, it is a very complex issue, and there are a number of levels of approval uh, going back to the McClintock case in terms of getting to a healing lodge. She would have had to be approved on many, many levels and show very good behavior in order for that to happen. It's not like, uh, it's not like it's, it's very easy to get a transfer like that. And I know everybody is quick to point out that in 2012, she had um, an assault Mm -hmm. uh, conviction for for beating up another inmate, which is correct. Uh, We haven't heard anything in the past six years. So uh, what I'm saying is that a lot happened behind the scenes in the past six years in order for her to have had that transfer now. Will that review shed light uh, as to what exactly happened? What hoops needed to be jumped through? Is there a sober second thought? How many people signed off it? You know, I hope that that's information that's released to the public so that people can take a step back uh, and understand exactly what happened and and should it have happened. Yeah, I'm not counting on ever seeing that information. Hopefully you'll get it through uh, (laughs) some kind of FIO. But the bottom line Mm -hmm. is a freedom of information information request. But the bottom line is, I think it's optics. These cases come down to optics. And when people lose faith in the justice, and we do know that that rehabilitation, uh, we've seen a move in justice to to get to the rehabilitation instead of the justice thing. And maybe we need to swing back that making sure that the justice part is taken care of before we do the rehab. 
Well, important to note that, uh, especially in the women's corrections system, uh, they were built on the rehabilitative model, and that was under the Mulroney government Mm -hmm. uh, that that that, uh, went into place in the early 90s with the the document that the whole women's prison uh, revamp was called Creating Choices, because it was about uh, the choices that that women should have in prison to allow them to be on that rehabilitative journey. Yeah, well, it's time to revisit that, (laughs) because we've got a few women that are monsters, and they don't deserve to have the benefit of the doubt. So great work, Abigail. Nice scoop. Oh, thank you. Nice to chat with you. Abigail Booman uh, joining us, uh, learning about that late today. So again, like, okay, you're moving this person. Why? And then why aren't the people, you know, picking up the pieces of life? Why aren't they being notified? Okay, it's just... This is the stuff that I don't get. Now I'm going to start looking into more of it. But again, why are we then, you know, why are women getting such cushy treatments? What, what what happened to the justice part of female sentencing? Because this notion that, well, females are different and, you know, like not all females are victims. These, these two people willingly and actively took lives. Carla Homolka actively and took part in killing and taking lives. There is a section of women that can be as crazy and care and, and dangerous as men. We would not be having the conversation. If it was Paul Bernardo, this thing would have been done last week as it should have been done. We wouldn't be debating this at all because it would have just never happened. Why is it happening with these cases? Global News Radio.